and welcome to the latest episode of Crypto Bytes, a Denton's podcast focused on all things crypto and digital assets. It's an absolute pleasure to be joined today by Carly Nasbeck Lowry. Carly is CEO and founder of the Ashlog Group of Companies, which includes Gateway 21, a boutique investment firm founded to promote safe growth and innovation in the digital asset market. Carly, welcome. Zina, thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, it's our absolute pleasure. Um, For those in the know, I suppose they would have guessed by the name of one of your companies why we're actually here today. But before we go on to discuss, why don't you tell people a little bit about your background, your career history, and how you came to be involved in crypto? Absolutely. Well, I started my career as a lawyer at Linklater's in New York. Um, I came to London for a three-day project now 13 and a half years ago, Um, but it was, you know, that was what I had signed up for, and I was really thrilled to come, particularly at a point where financial services regulation was really changing. Um, So I spent about six years at Lynx doing that, and then I went in-house to Barclays um, and to Uber before I made the jump into crypto, uh, where I was Associate General Counsel for Coinbase and then Chief Legal Officer at Copper. Then early last year, I was reading some correspondence from the FCA, as you do, (laughs) and it was about the financial promotions regime. And I just couldn't get away from the sense that crypto companies were really going to struggle to comply. Um, That if it was implemented as it was written, it could, in effect, create a de facto ban on marketing for crypto in the UK. Frankly, I just thought that would be a bad outcome. And so I wrote a business plan, and I put together a little MIFID application, and I launched Gateway 21 to try to bridge the gap that I saw between where the regulators were and where the industry was. A little MIFID application, I'm not sure. I'm not sure anyone would describe it that. And London definitely must have been doing something right if three days turned into 13 plus years. Absolutely. Um, so I think you may have given the, the discussion points away. Um, we're obviously talking about the financial promotions regime and how it now applies to crypto firms. Um, and for those who are not familiar with the regime, um, it has been quite a long-standing regime in the UK and it's essentially there to protect consumers and make sure that they have a clear understanding of the financial products they're looking to purchase. Um, I don't want to give it away because I know you're going to go into quite some detail around the key aspects um, of the regime, but as a starting point, why don't you tell us a little little bit about the scope of the regime and, and how it applies? Sure. So... The, let's start with the definition. Mm-hmm. The definition of a FinProm, as I lovingly call them, um, is an invitation or inducement to engage in an in investment activity communicated by a person in the course of business. Now, that is an incredibly broad definition. And fundamentally, it is a call to action. You are inviting or inducing someone to undertake investment activity. Um, since the 8th of October, as you mentioned, the um, FinProm regime has existed for quite some time. Mm -hmm. But as of the 8th of October last year, this now includes qualifying crypto assets. So that means that any call to action on a crypto asset service provider's website or blog or Twitter account or X account, sorry, Mm -hmm. um, so long as it is capable of taking effect in the UK, it is likely to be caught. Um, I would also note the key to this regulation and understanding how to comply with it is 
recognizing that it's the communication that's being regulated. Mm. So we think about firms that could be caught and we think about exchanges, um, we think about payment service providers, but it's much broader than that. It's mm. extra, um, extra territorial in the sense that overseas firms are caught. And it's not just the firms that are providing service, it's whoever is doing the communicating. So it's really quite broad. Mm. I think that might be a bit of an understatement. <laughs> You're being too, um, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely, I agree, very, very broad. So if we were going to distill it down then, given that overarching message, um, what do you think are the key, or tell our listeners, what are the key aspects of the regime as they apply to the communications? Absolutely. So I'm going to break it down into two parts. Um, I'm going to call the first part the threshold requirement mm -hmm. and then get into the details of the actual regime itself. But the FCA has been very, very clear that there is a threshold requirement, and that is that there are only four routes through which a firm can legally communicate financial promotions related to crypto. Those are first, being an authorized firm. Mm -hmm. Secondly, completing the AML crypto registration. Third, engaging a Section 21 approver, like AP21, um, or relying on an exemption, but I'm the, the exemptions broadly don't apply um, yeah. to, to most of the folks that we're talking about. So realistically, you need to be authorized, registered, or have an approver. Um, and it's quite a binary first step. It is very, very easy for the FCA to see whether you have met that threshold, mm -hmm. and as such, whether or not you are making illegal finprongs. Um, we saw on the 8th of October when the regime extended to crypto, on that day there were 146 firms who were added to the FCA warning list, entirely on the basis of failing to meet that first step. So mm -hmm. I put it out there, it's a big one. Um, and that's even before we get into the details of the actual requirements of the regulation. Um, so once you've got over that high hurdle, you're then looking at COPS 4, you're looking at PS 23.6 and various other areas where the FCA has set out really extensive rules and guidance around things like risk warnings and risk summaries, banning inducements to invest. So all those refer a friend bonuses mm. that you used to be able to get, I know I got a few. Um, we can't do it anymore. They're just too effective. Um, and in the case of direct offer financial promotions, um, there are now four frictions that have to be implemented into the customer journey. So you see a 24-hour cooling off period, personalized risk warnings, mm -hmm. client categorization requirements, and appropriateness assessments. Um, and that's all done in support of ensuring that the communications meet this fair, clear, and not misleading standard. So, you know, it's it's really, really simple. You know, there's nothing to it. <laughs> I can see why people definitely need you. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess why people were so vocal when this was first announced as to how onerous it is, how wide it is. And, and the FCA didn't really give people a lot of time to get used to it, I suppose. And well, I'm going to jump in very quick on Christina, because in <laughs> fairness to the FCA, yeah. they were consulting on this for years. Yeah. They were consulting on it for maybe two years before. Yeah. Then in the summer of 2023, giving everyone four months. Yeah. Right. So I can see where, you know, folks did feel a bit caught off guard. Mm -hmm. But honestly, if you had been listening closely. Yeah. Amidst a million other priorities that absolutely were competing um, for the attention and the resource of companies internally, yeah. you might have felt caught off guard. Um, and it was a lot to do in four months. That's yeah, for sure. That's, yeah, definitely. Um, 
with that in mind then, what are the practical steps given that you've seen this all the way through and, and supported firms through this that you would you would give? So like the, there are challenges. I, I, once again, it's twofold, right? So there are challenges to meeting the threshold requirements. It is not easy to get. I know I joked earlier about putting together a little bit of an application. <laughs> we all know that that is a very lengthy and onerous process. Yeah. Um, and, and the registrations are quite tough too. I mean, we've seen success rates on those registrations, what, 13%? Um, and, and they've been even lower in the past 12 months. And so just meeting the threshold requirement is difficult. Um, yeah. Even even with respect to us Section 21 approvers, as far as we can tell, there's only three firms in the UK who are authorized by the FCA to do it. Yeah. Um, and they've taken a really strident view with respect to firms who tried to do it, who then were shown not to meet the relevant competence and expertise standards. Yeah. Um, so that's challenge one for practical implementation. <laughs> um, and then you're just looking at you know quite a detailed line by line page by page review of communications, you know, getting the risk warnings up. And it's a very specific format. It isn't rocket science. Mm. I mean, they put the format out there. You can you can copy and paste it. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it takes a lot of time, and especially for existing firms that already have quite a body of communications that all need to be uplifted. Mm. Um, it's a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of work. And you touched on 13% of firms being successful in relation to the money laundering registration. There's only three Carly's out there um, <laughs> to help people who aren't authorised. What were the other impacts that this new regime as they apply to crypto firms? Well, what have they been as you've seen? So we've seen a range of impacts. I mean, there have absolutely been firms who have stepped up and got themselves compliant. There's no doubt about it. And it's it's been great to see. We have been working um, with quite a few of them and, and really enjoy it. And it's it's been really great to see how many firms want to be compliant. Yeah. Um, and then we've seen a lot of firms for whom it's just not been commercially viable to stay in the UK. Yeah. Um, you can imagine the amount of time and resource that it takes to dedicate to this versus what might be a relatively small client base. Some firms have left. And we we have seen quite a few firms leave, um, though hopefully not 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 too many more. Um, and then there's again there's the warning list, and so the FCA has put quite a few firms up on the warning list. Um, we know that there are conversations that are happening with the FCA um, for other firms that are that are in a little bit of difficulty, um, but hopefully you know some of those folks will will find a way forward and, and we'll be able to keep as many in the UK as we can. And protecting consumers in, in, a, in the right way as well. Oh, the small matter of that, right? Yeah, I mean, it is matter. it is the purpose for which this has all been done. <laughs> exactly. um, and, and I have to say on that point, Zina, it's, we have seen fewer uh, retail customers making it through since the implementation in particular of the four frictions on the 8th of January. There is absolutely no doubt mm -hmm that there has been a drop-off in the conversion rates for retail customers um, looking to, to engage with crypto assets. That is really hard for firms, but that is the outcome the FCA was looking for. Mm. Um, not everyone should be engaging with every product. And so, you know, it it is creating the desired effect that the FCA was going for. Yeah. Well, 
That's been a lot to digest and work through, and I can absolutely see how incredibly busy you are and will continue to be, no doubt. For our listeners today, what would be one key takeaway just to round off that you would want to leave them with in relation to the regime? So I think it's quite easy to dismiss FinFROMs as being about marketing to the UK or communications, Mm -hmm. but it has become quite clear that this is the first foray for the FCA into extending its regulatory perimeter uh, for crypto. And the way that firms respond is going to set the tone for their future relationship with the FCA. If you start off on the wrong foot now with FinProms, it is not the best platform for the future regulations that we know are in the pipeline. Um, So my key takeaway, start off on the right foot, talk to them before they have to come talk to you, introduce yourself as a firm who using the FCA standard is ready, willing, and able to be regulated. I don't think I could have closed this podcast any better. So thank you, Carly, for joining us and for your insights. It's been fantastic. Thank you, Zena.